Now, if you're watching this video, you are extremely lucky because if you really think about these next 20 minutes that I'm about to dive into, you have the opportunity of a lifetime to build generational wealth. This is simply because a massive change is happening right underneath you. You might not even know about it. And when massive changes happen, massive opportunities arise. The bigger the change, the bigger the opportunity. Now, the massive change that is coming is decentralization of every single major industry. It started with Bitcoin and other major cryptocurrencies disrupting the financial industry, which you may know of or not, and decentralization is coming to other industries. And specifically in this video, we're going to be talking about how decentralization is coming to the internet and social media landscape to create basically Web 3.0. Now, if you've heard of the term Web 3.0, this is for sure going to become more popular over the next several years. And if you have no idea what Web 3.0 means, don't really worry because you're not alone. To give you some backstory, Web 1.0 was basically deemed as the initial starting phases of the internet where basically information was connected to each other. Then we went into Web 2.0 when social media networks started launching and Web 3.0 is basically the decentralization of the internet. Now, this video is going to specifically focus on the opportunity opportunities that are arising with Web 3.0. And I want to preface that this is for entertainment purposes only. This is not investment advice. And this is just my personal opinion on Web 3.0 and what I'm currently doing in this upcoming huge industry. So I want to start off why Web 3.0 and the decentralization of social media and the internet is completely inevitable. The best way to explain this is to outline all of the aspects that we're currently at with the Web 2.0 landscape of social media networks being owned by basically five conglomerate companies that are able to handle all the data, all the censorship and control everybody's attention while on these Web 2.0 social media applications like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Google and YouTube. So so first up, when you're posting on Web 2.0 social media applications, you don't truly own your content. You're just renting it. And what I mean by this is if you post something that goes against the terms of service of these centralized social media applications, if you post anything that goes against the direction that they're trying to achieve with their social media platforms as a whole, they can ban you, censor you, delete you. They can demonetize you at any point. So that truly means that you don't own your profile and you don't own any of the content that you post on these centralized social media applications. Next up on these Web 2.0 social media applications, as I told you, they're owned really by five major companies. And what this means is that all of the data that is created, all of the attention that is captured on all of these social media applications is stored in a very privatized way amongst these massive companies and is not distributed amongst all of the users that are using it. What this leads to is users of Web 2.0 which is practically every single person on the internet is using social media to a certain extent that you're not getting paid for any of the attention that you're giving to these platforms. And one of the biggest assets in today's world is the attention that you give. And it's one of the biggest assets of creators and of massive companies is trying to capture as much attention from you as possible. That's what these social media applications are doing is they're just fighting over your attention and you're giving it to them for free in exchange for these massive dopamine 
dopamine hits because their social media applications are free to use. But in reality, if you really look at nothing's free in life and it's not really free to use because they are forcing you into an addictive cycle where you're not making any money, but you're giving your entire life towards these applications that just feed you dopamine hits. The next major problem with Web 2.0 social media applications is there's no connection between each social media application. Even between Instagram and Facebook that are owned by the same company, Meta, there's no real massive connection between Instagram and Facebook together. When creators are growing their profiles and posting, basically creating their livelihood on these social media applications, their followers don't transfer over from platform to platform. So they have to create completely different follower bases and post completely different content on each of these social media applications, which cause more work. And on top of that, when I was talking about earlier, how you don't truly own your social media profile and you're just renting it because they can ban you at any time. Since you're having to grow these separate followings across each social media application, you're having to put way more time and energy on each individual social media application as a creator. And so when a social media platform bans you, it's that much more impactful to your livelihood as a creator. And really with Web 2.0, we could get into lots of other minuscule problems, but the last really like massive overarching problem is that all of the data and all of the attention captured, I was brushing on this briefly before, is captured and stored with just these massive companies that own these social media applications. And they're able to monetize all of that attention and all of that data for billions of dollars that doesn't go to the users. This creates so many aspects of problems because not only are they making all of the money, they're able to direct the attention in a way that's favorable to them. So if they have an agenda that they want to push as the company controlling all of the attention, it's very easy to do that with demonetizing other users users who go against their agenda. And that's huge because that's basically freedom of speech that they're eliminating to a certain extent. So finally, we're going to transition into what does the solution look like? Because we've been talking about all of these problems of the current state that we're in of these centralized web 2.0 applications. So basically, what's next? What's the solution? I'm going to be talking about a project that I'm heavily involved in, which is called DSO, standing for decentralized social media. And we're going to get into some more complex topics. So make sure that you rewatch this video if you have to at certain points, because there's a lot of research that's gone behind this and a lot of information that's packed into this one video. So DSO in its simplest form is a layer one blockchain. Now, stay with me on this. Now, what a blockchain is, is it's a decentralized database. So what this means is just like how all of these social media platforms are owned by these massive companies that hold all of the data in centralized ways, like they don't share any of the data, any of the information that they're collecting, any of the millions of dollars that they're investing in the development of the social media networks. People can't build on top of those social media networks because they can't use the internal code. So basically a decentralized database sharing and showcasing everything that's involved with the network. So if you think about it, it would be as if Google or as if Meta shared everything possible. So they shared all of the code that went into building Facebook and Instagram so people could use that code and build similar applications. It would be showcasing every single post on a public ledger so that everybody could see the actual post and the data that goes behind it. It would be giving people access truly to their profiles and content where they would no longer have the ability to delete that profile off the public ledger because those transactions have to be verified and people can't simply 
just click a button to delete something because when it's on a blockchain, it's there forever. So if you're familiar with the crypto community and kind of what's happening with crypto right now, you might have heard of a project called Frontech. And so Frontech is completely different than D. So it's literally in a different league. It's not even in the same sport. It's completely different. Frontech, what it is, is it's built on top of a layer one blockchain. So it's not a layer one blockchain itself. Basically, Frontech was built on top of the Ethereum network in a sense. And so what this does is it increases a lot of things where Ethereum wasn't built specifically for social media use cases. It was built more for smart contracts, which is a whole different topic. But the reason it wasn't built for social media specifically, if you think about social media compared to the financial industry, there's a lot more that needs to go into it. Because if you're storing every single post, every single video, every single comment, every single profile that's created, it's millions and millions of data points that need to be stored on this public database. And so so it's much different than financial transactions, where financial transactions take up much less data consumption. And so when people are trying to build platforms like Frentech on top of a non-native social media blockchain like Ethereum, the costs are astronomical. And if you go onto DSO's website, you can see the comparison of costs between storing data on Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, all of these like major layer one blockchains in comparison to the DSO layer one blockchain. And when you look at that comparison, it makes total sense. And that's the reason why DSO needed to make a layer one blockchain in the first place is because they needed to start from the ground up because at this point, there has been no solutions to being able to store the mass amount of data that social media needs at an extremely low cost. So now that I've explained a bit of the background of Web 2.0 versus Web 3.0 and give you a bit of context around DSO, we're going to talk about all of the unbelievable innovations that DSO is doing behind the scenes and what they have planned for the future. And right now when I'm thinking and talking about DSO on this YouTube video, I just can't stop thinking about how Warren Buffett's quote of be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy only when others are fearful. And right now, especially in the crypto landscape, people are the most fearful that they've ever been in an extremely long time. And especially with DSO, it's on a whole nother level of fear where people aren't even looking at it. And so it's fear on the crypto market as a whole right now. And then DSO is like this untapped opportunity that is under everybody's eyes. So I wanna give you some transparent history of where DSO started because we've been in DSO ever since the beginning when it actually wasn't even named DSO. And I'm gonna give you some history about like the transparency of how it was launched and it didn't have the best launch. That's why it hasn't picked up extreme amount of traction right now and how they really went back to the drawing board and fixed all of the flaws with everything to basically do a massive relaunch and fix all of the problems so that it actually has a fighting chance to take on these centralized social media giants. So you actually might've heard of the platform that DSO started with originally because it went super viral immediately. It was called BitClout. And what BitClout was, it launched with just a white paper. Nobody really knew who was behind the project as a whole, and it actually seems super sketchy, but there was a big understanding of the opportunity that could have happened from it. And so BitClub basically launched as the first like social media application where people were able to invest in creator coins, known as investing into basically creators' brands. So it was really the first influencer stock market. You could invest in personal brands, business brands that were on the application itself, but then also invest on placeholder 
holder accounts for massive celebrities that haven't yet joined the platform. And so you're basically betting on the future paced and investing in the future odds of a particular creator gaining a lot of exposure, which was hypothetically very enticing and very exciting. And that's why it went extremely viral amongst a very specific community. The style that BitClout launched in was similar to the look of Twitter, except it had the financial component where you could invest into BitClout coins and be able to invest those BitClout coins into various creator coins. So each specific profile, when you create a profile on BitClout, you were able to invest into other people's creator coins, and then you were able to receive investments of other people investing in your creator coin. But when it first launched, there was a massive amount of problems. The first major problem is there was no DSO at that time. And so despite BitClout actually being the potential of a layer one blockchain, it was just seen as this random social media application and people had a hard time visualizing the long-term future and how it was actually going to compete with the massive centralized social media applications. So people just saw it as this fun little temporary game and didn't see it as a plausible option compared to a TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. And so it wasn't even seen as like really a social media network at the time, which was a major problem for BitClout and now DSO as a whole. The next thing when BitClout launched is there was no public exchange to basically buy and purchase BitClout on like Coinbase or any of these uh, centralized exchanges. And so that came with like a look of being very scammy because you were able to put money into BitClout. So you were able to basically purchase BitClout with cryptocurrency if you sent it to the BitClout platform, but there was no way of selling your BitClout on a public exchange. And so the only way you could sell your BitClout is by selling it OTC, so over the counter to basically other users on BitClout that thought that it would get on exchange at a future date and outpace its returns. So I remember vividly buying BitClout for OTC, which was 20 to $30 below the current purchasing price because people were very skeptical on if it was going to go on to exchange. And at present day, we invested heavy amount. And if you want to consider that we lost that money based off of the current price of DSO, I don't see it that way because the massive opportunity and we're continually to put money into it because the opportunity of it and the amount that they are constantly developing on this application, it's inevitable what's going to happen in the future. The next flaw with the initial BitClout launch is there was no order book trading for the creator coins. So the creator coins worked on a bonding curve. So basically like as you invested more money on it, the price went up exponentially. We don't have to get into the specifics of the bonding curve, but basically it was like you invest $1 and then the price of the creator coin was $1. Then you invest another dollar and then the price of the creator coin is $4. So it was like very exponential in nature. That wasn't the exact formula that they used. That was just an example of it being exponential, but there was no open book trading. And so what happens in an open book trading and basically like a traditional exchange, whether it's like the stock market or crypto exchanges, is that people put buy orders and sell orders at specific price points. And so you're basically getting the exact price you're going for. Except with this, when you bought and sold, you could only buy and sell on the specific bonding curve. So what this would make for is that the massive tanking of prices when people sold and the massive increase of prices when they bought. So it makes it very volatile and does 
doesn't really make it a long-term solution for actually trading and investing into creators. And then another major component of a flawed BitClout was it didn't have any incentive for people to post on it like a true social media platform. And BitClout's whole thing and DSO's whole thing is being the decentralized version and actually competing with centralized social media applications. And so for somebody to come over and use their attention and their creativity power of actually posting on a platform like this, there has to be some sort of incentive that draws them over from these centralized applications because centralized social media applications spend tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions, keeping people addicted to their social media application. They literally have engineers specifically for attention and addicting their users as much as possible. The same sort of engineers that work for casinos in all of these places to get their users and the people who are giving their attention to these platforms as much addiction as possible. So ultimately, with all of these flaws of BitClout, they pretty much shut down the platform to a certain extent because they had to really recalibrate the entire branding of things. Because the one thing that they got right with BitClout is that went very viral very fast because it was this very new thing of being able to invest into creators' brands, which is super enticing to people. But everything else around it, they pretty much got wrong. So ultimately what happened after the pretty much dissolution of BitClout is they came out with DSO, which was the same blockchain as BitClout, just renamed, because what this does is it gives the full image of what DSO is about. And so DSO came out as a layer one blockchain, the decentralized social media layer one blockchain, basically where other applications are able to be built on this layer one blockchain, just like how BitClout was an application that was built on top of the DSO blockchain blockchain, other applications can be built. And what I mean by this is it's like the decentralized version of the current social media applications built on top of this blockchain. So what I mean by is there could be a decentralized YouTube built on the DSO blockchain, a decentralized Facebook and Instagram built on the DSO blockchain. And what makes this so unbelievable is since it's all built on the same blockchain, it fixes all of the problems that Web 2.0 has. So if we go through a couple of these is since they're all built on the DSO blockchain, all of these decentralized version of the social media applications, when you post on one social media platform, it will post across the entire DSO blockchain, therefore posting on all the social media platforms that are built on top of DSO. And it's able to do that because the post that you're making is just showing in a different way based off of the social media application you're specifically on, on the DSO blockchain. The next thing is that your profile stays the same across each social media platform that's built on the DSO blockchain. So when you grow tens of thousands of followers on one social media application, you're actually growing tens of thousands of followers on the DSO blockchain itself. So any new future social media application that's built on the DSO blockchain and any current ones, you have the exact same following. So you're basically, you have the option to switch from social media application to social media application based off of the way it showcases the feed, the types of content, that it favors and all of these things, but you're keeping your following across all of these social media platforms. So the thing that's extremely enticing and one of the things I'm most excited for is in 2024, BitClout 2.0 will be launching on the DSO blockchain. And I personally think it's going to go way more viral than BitClout 1.0 because it has the main feature that was enticing about BitClout 1.0, but with all the fixes of the flaws of BitClout 1.0. BitClout 2.0 is going to be launching with the incentive to creators where basically they can earn BitClout tokens a certain amount allocated 
dedicated based off of posting on a daily basis. The next thing BitClout 2.0 is doing is it's launching a specific order book for creator coins. And so without getting too complicated with this, what it allows for is people to set specific buy and sell order prices on each creator coin. So what this does is it's going to add liquidity into the market of each specific creator coin and allow it so that people aren't just purchasing creator coins at these arbitrary bonding curve prices, which just flood the market in terms of when somebody sells, it tanks the price of the creator coin. And when somebody buys, it rapidly increases the price of the creator coin, which just isn't sustainable for an actual stock market or crypto market. The next thing with DSO that is extremely exciting is they just launched the DSO Block Explorer. And I have to give you some context around this where with each decentralized network, so if you look at the primary ones like Bitcoin, Ethereum, they all have Block Explorers where basically it's a public ledger that you can go on to and see every single transaction publicly. That's the whole essence of decentralization is that everything is publicly accessible. The problem though, is the extent to which that information is accessible, where can the average person understand what they're looking at? And what I mean by this is on the Ethereum blockchain, if you're familiar with crypto, then you've definitely seen the Etherscan block explorer. And what this is, is Etherscan is specific to Ethereum, showcasing every single Ethereum transaction. And when you make a transaction, you send Ethereum to somebody else or with smart contracts or all the things that are associated with Ethereum. And you go on to these transactions associated, unless you're extremely educated in the crypto market, you have no idea what you're looking at on Etherscan. And so how transparent really is it if you have no idea what you're looking at? And so that's where DSO is just completely changing the game where their mission really is to make it as seamless as possible between the transition of Web 2.0 to Web 3.0. They want to build all of these applications and all of the components of a decentralized social media network where it's so easily accessible to the general public and so simple to use. And the UX is so simple that people could actually be using a Web 3.0 application, aka built on top of the DSO blockchain without even realizing they're on a Web 3.0 application. That's when the aha moment is going to set in for the general public. It's at the point when people are using a Web 3.0 application and they think that they're using a Web 2.0 application. Just think about this for a second and let this settle in. The amount of user base that's on Twitter, X now, that's owned by Elon Musk. And Elon Musk has talked publicly about wanting to decentralize Twitter, decentralize X now. And could you imagine what would happen if Elon Musk moved X onto a decentralized network? He's already kind of going in that direction. He took it off the public stock market. So now he has full control over the entire company as a whole. And he wants freedom of speech, which can happen when a social media network is completely decentralized and not controlled by a centralized entity. But we're getting away from the point and a little bit off topic of the DSO Block Explorer. So the reason the DSO Block Explorer is so unbelievable and it literally just launched is that the information is so easily readable that any single person can go onto the DSO Block Explorer and understand the information that's telling you. And what it does is it's showcasing every single transaction, every single profile that's created, every single social media interaction and financial interaction that's happening on the network. And this is really gonna set DSO up for success when things like BitCloak 2.0 launch that gain it a ton of traction because now it has that backend infrastructure to retain, especially the crypto users, where they have that aha moment when they see the 
easily accessible information compared to all of the other decentralized networks out there. And I really want to pull it up on the screen right now. So like, for example, if you go onto our profile on DSO, like you search up high key on the DSO block explorer, you can see everything. You can see our profile. You can see some of our interactions. You can see our wallet balance and how much money that we have in it. And then you can also see all of the transactions that happen in terms of post interactions and financial interactions that happened at any point in time ever since the infancy of DSO. The next absolutely crazy thing about DSO is that at the infancy, when it was just launching BitCloud, it raised $200 million of funds from some of the biggest investors in the entire venture capitalist scene. It raised $200 million from Coinbase, Sequoia, the Winklevoss twins, A16Z, a ton of massive institutional investors that backed this project because they understand that Web 3.0 is the future. And to this day, even with the crypto markets tanking after that $200 million was invested into DSOS as a whole, they still have around $100 million of liquid assets, not including their DSO tokens. And the beautiful thing about this is when you look on Coinbase where DSO is currently listed, or if you look at CoinMarketCap and see the market cap of DSO specifically, the market cap of DSO is less than what they have in their public treasury of $100 million of liquid assets. So it's literally just a no-brainer right now. And what they're using that capital on right now is majority development of the DSO blockchain and all of the applications on it. And really, the last thing that I want to get into with DSO is right now, it's a proof of work model, but they're currently moving the blockchain onto a proof of stake model. And this is really the essence of what they're doing. They're taking all of the components of the highest level current cryptos and taking the best components of them. And one of the components that they're taking is the best aspects of proof of stake that are currently on the market. Now, I'm not going to go too much into proof of stake because it's entire rabbit hole on its own. But basically what it's going to allow for is people to stake their DSO. So basically lock up their DSO for a period of time and be making a return on that DSO in exchange for locking it up. This is going to be huge because it incentivizes users and specifically people that are invested into the blockchain to hold their DSO for longer periods of time because they're making interest on it and not only making the appreciation of the coin itself. So that was an absolute ton of information. If you've watched this entire video and you're not even the slightest bit bought into DSO in terms of it being the future and it being the leading way of Web 3.0, then I don't really know what you were listening to. I want to share this information because I know this is absolutely inevitable and I want to showcase it when DSO just basically goes to the moon and be able to showcase knowledge of posting this when DISA was at its lowest point. And I feel like I'm experiencing this firsthand right now because it's extremely hard seeing the loss of capital when the markets are as bare as possible. But always look at every single situation from the other side of things. And how I'm looking at this current situation is the massive opportunity that lies at the current state. And it really comes back to be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. Right now, no one's talking about this. It's on a whole nother level of fear in the entire markets as a whole of crypto. And so now is a better time than ever to set yourself up for generational wealth. My name is Luke Lentz. Thanks for watching this entire video. If you got to the end, peace.